0: Oh, God. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> Run us through your thought process for uh, your method podcasting, please.
0: Oh, um, I don't know if there were like thoughts that like precluded me doing this, but I kind of thought like. Nick Cage is this great, like, uh, or or well-known like method actor, like, or he brings a lot of method into his acting, uh, which is to say that like he puts himself in the shoes or the, the mental state of the character. So like a lot of, uh, with leaving Las Vegas, there was a lot of time spent drunk and filming himself drunk and things like that to find out how he was, in that situation. So and with, something like
2: Renfield recently, he just was Dracula on set yeah, the whole time.
0: Pretty much all the time. He says it wasn't all the time, but uh, I mean, who knows? If you had the chance to just have people call you Dracula
1: and wear a cape all that, the time. Wouldn't you do it? Yes. I mean,
0: or count or count. Ooh.
1: So if you're,
0: I, if you're nasty, I was doing a back to back this morning and in Bringing out the dead. Nicolas Cage plays a very burned-out paramedic, and he uh, exists just on like caffeine and whiskey, and he doesn't eat so much. But he's like always really tired. So I I thought I'd try to put myself in that mindset while I was watching, specifically that movie to see if it affected things. So I I smoked some weed. That that's fine. I live in Washington. And uh, then I drank a whole lot of caffeine to make myself like really out of it. So I was like battling tired and like hyperactivity and stress throughout the whole movie. And I will say it made it interesting and we can talk about that more. But yeah. uh, like when we get to that movie, but uh, so, you know, I was just trying to put myself into his character's shoes as much as he put himself into his shoes or into that character's shoes. just so I could see what it was like. And I don't regret it, but I wouldn't have done it on the day that we record. <laughs> if I did it again,
1: you, you hear that, people? Nick is willing to put his body through real stupid things for your entertainment. Yeah. Welcome back to Cage Match, Cole, in a roundabout way of meeting Nicholas Cage. Um,
0: oh, it tasted but bad as it felt.
1: You can't tell. It's going to be a very special episode. <laughs>
2: we cannot use this
1: no we're using it i'm not do, i'm not do i don't do i don't do two of
2: these oh god this is not usable
1: oh it's it's perfectly usable it is not we're using it
2: we head are head we are boots. Not. all right so what's the conceit of this podcast
1: welcome back to cage match colon a roundabout way of meeting nicholas cage peter
0: <laughs> he's I <am>. our producer <laughs> he is hello
1: <laughs>
0: i am i'm here <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm uh, one of the hosts, Sean, here with my other
0: host, uh, Wiggle Bottoms McClure.
2: Mm. Yep,
0: Nick. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> as you can tell, this is going to be a
0: interesting episode. It's gonna be a good one. We're we're gonna be like clean. We're gonna be fucking cutting it nice. We're gonna be like, yeah,
2: it's a but, solid start.
0: Yeah. yeah, you already
2: got yelled at. <laughs>
0: uh this show is one where we take
2: Wait, 64 at? Uh, it was a collective oh okay okay good <laughs> including me <laughs> oh,
0: good, no. if it's that everybody's in trouble then that's fine
2: yeah. yeah we're all going to time out
0: <laughs> see you guys in 10 minutes yeah. <laughs> this show is
1: off the rails already uh this show is where we take 64 of Nicolas cage's best movies More notable movies. More notable movies, and uh, we're going to systematically uh, go through them, break them down, and figure out what Nick Cage's best film is,
0: as decided by us. Two total authorities and subjects.
2: Yeah, I think at this point you guys probably can claim that. We're about like 80 hours of Nick Cage movies in.
0: Mm. I was actually watching uh, the movies this week, and I was sitting there, and I was like, man, I almost never watch movies without Nick Cage now, and it's actually... (laughs) like stunning when i do watch one because i'll be watching and i'm like there's nick cage there's no nick cage like i don't know any of these people even (laughs) though i know all of them because it's still a marvel movie or some shit like that i and it's like ah
1: you're right no i couldn't put my finger on it but i did go see guardians of the galaxy volume three and the whole time i'm like something's
0: missing it's nick cage nick cage
2: you know, he could have been a great Kevin Bacon stand-in for the uh, holiday special, too.
0: Yeah, but the holiday special, that's not, like, movie star stuff. That's a holiday special.
2: Yeah, that's true. He doesn't do not movie star stuff. Yeah.
0: That's, like, direct streaming, like, yeah. good point. Plus stuff. Yeah, good point, good point. That's
2: below our Nicholas.
1: Which is why he's not in the now-canceled National Treasure TV show.
2: I wonder why it got canceled.
1: No Nicholas Cage.
2: Hmm...
0: Yeah, that's that's probably its only issue. Nicholas
1: Cage <laughs> might come cheap, but he still
2: won't do TV.
0: I can't blame him, you know? I don't want to work that hard. Yeah, you gotta
2: have your scruples, right?
0: Well, TV's hard. There's, right. The shooting schedule is intense. It fucking yeah. sucks. <laughs> can't just come in and out, like, 10 days, $5 million. That's right. You
1: can't just sit in front of a green screen and in a cowboy hat and talk to the camera for, I'm assuming, about six hours worth of work.
2: Or yell about a piano, or... Favorite chair
1: <laughs> he was actually in that scene though oh okay <laughs> yeah
0: had to be there was a, a fight yeah which is not in either of the movies we watched this week because this week we watched bringing out the dead 1999, 1999 uh and wind talkers from 2002. 2002 yeah so not too far apart no. chronologically
1: both directed by kind of prestige directors
2: yeah, it, and both box office bombs too. They were yeah. real both definitely failures outside of the director's niche. Yeah, for sure. In terms of the bracket, this is the serious guy bracket, yep. and we have the uh, so, um, six seed, which is Bringing Out the Dead, against the eleven seed, which is Wind Talkers. So
1: serious, uh, serious cage. So there will be no jokes in this comedy podcast.
2: Nope.
1: Peter will cut out any levity.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. If we laugh once, cut. We'll start over. It's just going to be quacked.
1: Yep. No, every time we laugh, we have to start over.
2: <laughs> nope. Quack it.
1: God damn it. Welcome back to Cage Match, calling a roundabout way of meeting Nicholas Cage. I am your host, Sean, here with my co-host,
2: Nick. And our producer. Peter, hello. No humor. This pod. Now we're fucked. <laughs> God damn it.
1: It hurts. Um, let's just get into this, because I cannot right now. Yeah. What do
2: you guys want to talk about first?
0: Let's do wind talkers. Okay. Sure. Uh, Nick, do you have a haiku this week? I don't have a haiku this week.
2: Um, do you have anything i have cold sweats good that's perfect that is actually perfect for this film all right summarize wind talkers for us so it's
0: been a really long time since i've watched a war movie nick cage is this military guy who went through some really shitty action on the solomon islands and he gets paired up with a navajo code talker guy this is in world war two and he's like protecting him but also like dominantly protecting the code so he's got orders like if the uh code talker was to be taken he has to like kill him and so it's just a couple small elements of the pacific front nick cage Trying to keep himself emotionally distant from this guy, even though he has to spend all this time with him. And then, you know, drama ensues. Yep. Yeah, that's
2: pretty that's good. That's pretty good. Uh, also, just a, an apology from the last episode. Uh, when we were talking about introducing this episode, I, I said incorrectly that it was about Apache Code oh, Breakers. Oh, and, oh, yeah, yeah, it's Navajo. Specifically. Yeah, Navajo, yeah yeah okay so that's pretty good yeah uh <laughs> i i thought so that was yeah. a great that, no, was actually, a really that good. is actually pretty much yeah. the story so, and it goes for two hours and 14 minutes
1: nicholas cage plays joe enders
0: and adam beach plays ben yazi which is a great name except i kept thinking ben the whole time <laughs> yeah me too. every time his name came up it's like ben Benghazi. ben oh i
1: was thinking ben yahtzee crosha from uh zero oh, punctuation yeah that's
2: a good one too <laughs> uh, the cast for this movie, though, was fucking awesome. Yeah, like, no,
1: there were so many people in this movie. Uh, Christian Slater. You always know you're gonna have a fun time with Christian Slater. Yeah. Once upon a time,
0: he did things with yeah. him Yep. With his time.
1: Uh, Mark Ruffalo.
0: Yeah, Mark Ruffalo. He had a pretty small part. I mean, as a Mark Ruffalo. And yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it's... I think he had the weakest bits of script. Like his yeah. dialogue Agreed. fucking sucked. Yeah. no, Like when he was talking about oh santorini oh you gotta go to santorini it's like oh man you're just like some very bad stereotype yeah
2: There's a lot of stereotyping in here because like yeah. um what's his face noah emmerich uh the guy with the big gun the mm-hmm. kind of like loose not loosely racist chick. the racist guy named chick yeah, yeah. uh
0: you the know. guy that i kept like i couldn't stop thinking just like oh he's like uh biff from yeah he's the biff of this movie is the biff but he does actually kind of get a little character redemption in the end he's the one he has he's one of the few characters
1: who has like a full arc where he starts off as i'm racist and i hate everybody who's not a white american including my own allies who just happen to be navajo yeah and then he gets saved and he's like "No, my granddad used to tell me stories about killing Indians, and now who knows? Maybe in fifty years we'll sit around with expletive for a Japanese person and have a beer. I'm like, Ugh. yeah.
2: I know it's a Eat period some piece. Sushi and have a Sapporo. Yeah, yeah.
1: I know it's a period piece, which but sounds fine to me right now.
2: Yeah, mm. that sounds pretty good. Ooh, but I sushi. haven't really eaten today, so. But yeah, I mean Ruffalo's character basically is like I'm Greek, and the end of his story arc is I'm Greek. Yeah. yeah. And it, alive still.
1: Yeah, which I could have sworn he got shot in the chest in that final shootout he did make it but i remember him getting shot at one point because there were only four of them and one of them definitely got shot in the chest
0: oh you know if we're talking about the final shootout can we talk about the end credits real quick how fucking weird and kind of bullshitty was it that they put up footage of the characters in black and white from the movie next to their names like in slow motion like it was an in memoriam yeah yeah but it's not a true story story there was no indication that this is based on any real people no. and then they just slow motion in memoriam everybody yeah and it's like uh okay i'm like i'm gonna watch the credits for us uh no i'm done <laughs> uh okay so we can break it down in three parts solomon islands hawaii saipan it opens up on the solomon islands we've got uh a bunch of marines nick cage is a marine in this uh they're securing this swamp they have to hold this position he refuses to uh retreat yeah he's not going to retreat because his orders are to hold Hold. it and everyone does his entire unit gets killed and he is injured which will, in the next scene in Hawaii, uh, kind of introduce us to this nurse who takes a liking to him, kind of helps him recuperate. He's got this fucked up ear because of a grenade, and so his balance is out, and he can't really hear so well. Uh, that only comes up a little bit. It's not necessarily That's important. That's not a plot point in this film Yeah, at all. really,
2: I think they could have played that up more, but... I, or just had, not done that at all
0: they use it as a character point yeah. for like why he ended up getting stuck in this detail right because he was a good fucking marine he held the swamp to literally the last man yeah and so now it's like oh despite his little injury he's going to be the guy that has to kill the navajo code talker yeah. if necessary because he's
1: a good fucking marine yeah. him and slater are given the same detail with a different
0: code right. talker Yeah, we've got Ben with Nicolas Cage and uh, Charlie, who is rolling with Christian Slater.
1: And Slater's character is quick, fast, becomes friends with uh, his code talker. They discover a love of music. They actually start bonding. And of course, push comes to shove. Slater can't do it.
0: Yeah. Uh, So after Hawaii, we've kind of got Cage's uh, Ender going back into active duty. He gets sent on this uh detail with the code talkers back out to saipan and from here we get a couple different engagement zones i guess you'd call it there's
2: quite a few of these and they all kind of blended together for me
0: there are three
1: major fights three 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 major engagements yeah no four if you count the town
2: yeah four
0: so yeah the first one is when they first get there and they're taking yeah they kind of take that beachhead yeah um and then they're just moving north through saipan Yeah, and then
2: there's the friendly fire incident yeah then the town and then the final minefield debacle yes
1: yeah no you're right they do all the fight scenes in this really do blend together and yeah it's a war film but it okay. you could have easily cut half an hour of this film and it would have had the same impact uh
0: no I feel like I'm not a fan of war films, though. I'm not either. And when I was watching this, I was actually thinking, like, it's been a really long time since I've watched a war movie. And war movies actually handle this violence a lot differently because it is it's it's graphic Mm -hmm. without exploiting the violence.
1: No, it's not. It shows how truly shitty this is.
0: But when a person is shot, there's an exit wound. There's blood. John Woo went with a very realistic take on war the battle scenes are kind of graphic. Uh, I mean, in the very opening of one of them, like you get a guy whose hand is chopped off with a katana. Uh, at one point, a character's head is cut off with a katana. There's just, a.
2: yeah, you know, limb gets blown yeah, off yeah. you know there's
0: lots of different there, yeah very, very very graphic a stuff. lot of like, scenes with mines uh there's a lot of artillery shelling in this it, every
1: time someone goes back to like help their buddy they generally get mowed down <laughs> no it's i mean it's terrible and
0: i'm Sorry. assuming it's realistic uh drop down in the comments if you've ever been in an <laughs> active well, it, it,
2: it's it's interesting thinking about like you know band of brothers or any of those movies or back to like saving or private shows. ryan right, and, and right. things
0: like that they have very long and i was i was thinking when i was watching this i was like the opening solomon island scene is a fairly long feeling mm-hmm. depiction of this But then I was thinking back to like Saving Private Ryan, where it was like almost what, like 25 minutes or some shit like that. It's like insanely long just on the D-Day landings and stuff like that. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not going to go back and watch Saving Private Ryan because uh, like we established, I'm not really a war movie guy, but uh, it's intense. It's not like overly gory. But
1: uh, one interesting thing I found out about this is John Woo really tried to make this an kind of war drama a very serious depiction of war and the studio was like no we want this to be more of an action film this was supposed to come out in 2001 it got bumped for obvious reasons and they made him take out half an hour of content most of which was the more gruesome wartime war fighting so Mm. half an hour of this movie was cut and that was largely
0: more combat uh speaking of this being a John Woo movie, the mm-hmm. second movie is a Martin Scorsese, so yeah. good names. This movie and next movie, neither of them ne- necessarily feel like they were made by these directors.
1: No. Uh, yeah, that's there's a good
0: like point. One scene I felt in this movie where it felt like John Woo was really making the call. Yeah. And that's when uh Nicolas Cage is drunk and Ben is smoking the cigarette yep. and there's just like kind of slower, more artistic shots of him like blowing the sick he was doing like a a cleansing ritual sort of thing and he was like blowing the smoke over cages drunk body and like trying to like uh drop ashes and stuff on him to kind of cleanse him or whatever that's the only time i really felt like this felt like a john woo movie so
1: this felt like more like a john woo movie to me in that in all of the combat scenes you always have a guy from standing position go into a shoulder roll, standing up and shooting someone for no reason. It happens a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah. And either like, shooting somebody or throwing a knife. Yeah, there or there's a lot of like knife that.
1: I'm a, uh, like I was introduced to, yeah. I yeah. was introduced to John Woo with like the killers, like his, his old school stuff. So I see a lot of that cinematography and a lot of that kind of violence in this film, which he's good at what he does. Um, I do have a quote here from John Woo. Uh, this was his second to last film in America that he made in america
2: yeah, he did a mission impossible 2 right before this
1: this is uh why he uh left all hollywood offers me is crap or big action pictures i want to do something good huh. yeah, that's pretty good
2: that is a pretty good quote yeah <laughs> give me a war movie where you do something artistic that's unique you know show me a different angle so i can get into the trenches so to speak you know where it's like it feels different like I don't need to see limbs being blown off left and right, and like the gruesomeness of war all the time. Yeah. Um, My yeah. problem with
0: war movies is just that they're all presented as like a hero piece, mm. but there just doesn't seem to be anything that feels heroic about a war movie to me. No, like it doesn't no. matter. Like you could go through heroic actions, you could do very noble things, but just the. The fact of watching a movie about a war—it doesn't appeal to me, unless that war happens in stars.
2: Yeah, I mean that's a very (laughs) different. That's an important point, though. Like that—that is a vibe that takes some of the like grit out of it. Yeah, and like Star Wars can be gritty, but at the same time, Andor was great. It's it's abstracted, right? Well,
0: I guess that's what it needs to be. It just needs to be fictional. yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'm not interested in a historic war piece because. Ultimately, you can look I mean, we're at a time now where we can look back at a lot of these wars and there's not black and white intentions for everybody. And I'm speaking for America. There isn't black and white intentions in a lot of things. Um, And it's not good people all the time. And it just kind of puts everybody on a pedestal in a war movie because they're all. Heroes?
1: History is written by the victors.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's a really interesting concept. I mean, all these people in this movie getting shot and killed that are just fodder, right? Like, Mm -hmm. there's so much shelling. There's so much machine gun work. And it's just like bodies flying everywhere.
0: Now, this is also a conversation from three weenie little art kids. Yes. Who have never been involved with the military. When I was in high school, I took the ASVAB. And they're like, yeah, you should probably go in the military. And I took that as like, oh, I probably don't have very many options in this life. <laughs> but uh, I thought about it, honestly, for a moment. And then 9-11 happened. And I was like, y'all are fucked. Sorry, I'm not I'm yeah. not going to join in wartime.
1: My dad was in the military for a good chunk of his life, left home at 17 to join the military. And they fucked him over. They just they, you know, he had two years left in his service. And they're like. Well, we can't afford your pension, so we're gonna bust you down to private, or you can take this money and go. And he gave him the finger, bought a motorcycle, and moved to San Francisco.
2: Yeah. And then you came about. And then
0: I came about. Not fucking yeah. No. So he
2: made some choices. Mm,
0: boy, I'm trying to think. Like we are kind of anti-government, and we are pretty anti-cop. <laughs> we're and,
2: definitely uh, anti-cop, <laughs> uh,
0: anti-establishment, and uh, have we established? i guess we're pretty anti-military now i don't huh?
2: think so i yeah. mean i, I, I mean, like no a,
0: we're not anti-military i like a we're, good
2: rogue agent like a gary but outside of that
0: yeah. <laughs> need more gary if you can
2: if you can handle don't it worry in some we've place. still
0: got one more gary yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe more. A second run at Gary. maybe gary's the one who's gonna go all the way
2: you, you know, called it early <laughs> yeah i
0: think you called your shot man let me tell you about this guy gary <laughs>
1: We're also three guys pushing 40. Talk to us in 15 years, which seems to be when all of our parents get into it. You <laughs>
0: turn 30 and you have two options. You can get really into historical war movies or smoking meats. And oh, I'm an yeah. established meat smoker. Yeah, I would so. be much
2: more on the meat smoking
0: yeah. I mean, I well, liked... you're from Missouri, well, right. and
2: so you don't have a choice. That's true. Yeah.
0: I'm from San
1: Francisco. This means something completely different for me. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, you're going to have to get really into Birkenstocks. I don't think you can have <laughs> either of these options. You,
1: uh,
0: They're just comfortable. I hope you like telling us all about your veganism later. Right. Fuck
2: that. In 15 years. All right. One thing, because we're just going <laughs> to jump around a little bit. One thing that I want to talk about. So Peter Stormare is the like gunnery sergeant. Mm-hmm. and He's a dick. Well, he's a dick, but, like, was he trying to have an American accent? Like, I couldn't no. tell.
0: No, because they call him the Viking. They call he's him the Viking. very
2: clearly, like, of Swedish Yeah, I mean, his name is, like, Helmstead or yeah. something like that. But, like, whatever accent he ended up doing was no accent. And it sounds fucking weird.
0: I think they were just trying to, if they were trying to do anything, tone down his Swedish accent for, like, a Swedish-American immigrant
2: feel maybe it ended up sounding so off to me like i couldn't deal with it i liked his character i mean he was a piece of shit but yeah. like yeah he's, he's i, I can understand a piece of shit character
0: they're marines in the shit
2: yeah,
1: yeah. i want to just also just if we're going to just talk about characters the female character mm. i will say character in that what was the point of her the, yeah like she keeps writing him letters that he doesn't read but they still do voiceovers of her writing them
0: i mean to your point like there is not much of a reason for yeah. that character it's just like oh there's a nurse who feels strongly for him yeah. based on the couple of weeks that he was there with you know the Bens or whatever yeah
2: <laughs> the Bens.
1: <laughs> this uh this film is supposed to it's a movie centered around the idea of navajo co-talkers yet your main character is nicholas cage ben is integral but ben is not the focus of this movie
0: no but you can have a movie about a subject from the perspective of an outsider you can but i don't think that's what this was at the end of the day that is exactly what this was
1: i mean yeah i guess i just don't think it was done well
2: (laughs) yeah
0: in that regard i think john
2: talked about that too where he talked about how he really wanted this to be more about the friendship aspect and like the camaraderie that comes from being in a fucking horrid situation and studio, as you pointed out, really wanted it to be a different thing. Yeah.
0: It needs a rewrite for sure, because whatever they did with, uh, cage's character ender, it really kind of hollowed him out. And he does have a bit of an arc, but it's very shallow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Fun fact. Nicholas cage learned to speak Navajo fluently for this role claiming it would help him understand the script better. John Wu said Nick Cage didn't understand which character he was supposed to be playing.
0: <laughs> I mean, Cage also spoke some Japanese in this, yes, and did. it got me thinking, why does a kid from Jersey who had all the troubled past that he did, like they talk about him assaulting a priest who, in Cage's defense with this vice principal of his Catholic school and things like that. And so he's got like this whole like story of like, Oh, he's just no good. He's only good at being a Marine. And then like, he knows all this Japanese and stuff. And it's like, he actually has a conversation at one point with uh, a lady and her child in this town. And it's like, um, did you just pick this up in like the two years that you've been actively probably in the army or the marines It's like eh, it's a weird character point
2: yeah it always it kind of makes me think i think it was family guy like early seasons of family guy at some point somebody speaks in spanish to i don't know brian or something like that and he says something back and then they continue talking
1: oh i know the line you're talking about Yeah, but it's, it's like,
2: just you like oh so i only a... learned these uh, things yeah. <laughs> and this follow-up sentence and then it's like
0: okay (laughs) yeah that's the uh brian and stewie big road trip yep that's right yeah yeah pepperidge farmer remembers Yep.
1: uh what are we doing here again oh let's talk about nick cage's performance i guess yeah It's as a nick cage podcast it's
0: good yeah it's fine Uh, i don't think it goes out of its way to do anything there's a couple scenes but not much. It's pretty wooden. Yeah, wooden that, that was my feeling on that yeah. it too.
2: It's like I didn't love the movie. I didn't love his performance, but I think a lot of that is script. He plays a closed-off man well, so yeah. I guess he's doing that. But you know, mm. it it was hard for me to connect with him as like a human to mm. give a shit about.
1: So there's a few scenes where they have to call in airstrikes.
2: Oh, the clip from the boats. <laughs>
1: The cl- OK, the clip from the boats, that's terrible because it's just like we're going to use some old footage of like gunboats or like.
2: Well, it's big...
0: pretty expensive to yes. get an aircraft carrier. So, or But beyond
1: ship. that, I was going to talk about the planes, the flybys. Oh, yeah. Because they have these planes that are CG and it's early 2000 CG, but they use the same animation for every time a bomb is dropped. So the plane always comes in from the same angle and is only ever lit properly for the first time it's used. So every other time it's used. It's lit in the wrong direction.
0: Huh. That's something
2: I never. Which is, I mean, again, visu-
1: again, visual artist here, so I pick up yeah. on the most noodly things. But, but.
2: like th- this had a decent budget for the time. It was know. 115 million dollars for this. It's like they could have gotten. I mean, you're not going to rent a fucking gunship and have it shoot no. artillery, but yeah, you could CGI that better than their like 1920s footage that they had. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I will say that the artillery was all very accurate. Actually, everybody was very accurate in this movie. Um, they got a lot of like, you could be shooting your gun from your hip and you would take out seven Japanese warriors. Yeah. Uh, you, you could be jumping and somersaulting through the air and you'd be taking people out artillery, the mortar rounds we're always hitting. Yeah. Like there was never a miss. It was never questionable. It's just like, boom, straight into this well, tank and this and that. And it's like, you, know, you guys are really good at trigonometry. John Woo's, <laughs> well, just John Woo's
1: like early films. Again, like the killers, the whole final scene is a 20 minute gunfight between two guys and usually the mafia. And you, by the time they've mowed down like the 10 named characters in the movie, you just have guys in like painters overalls showing up. For like 50 more guys to get mowed down for the big action set piece. And that's how that last kind of stand feels. You have four guys and they're like, We're almost out of ammo. And then you have a 20-minute gunfight where they don't run out of ammo. Oh. Uh
0: what what do you what do you got for like quotes on this movie? What, what'd you bring in here? What'd you bring to the party? So word-wise.
1: Him uh this is right after uh uh Joe and Ben kind of start to open up to each other, be friends, they're drinking and Joe has just been given um a medal for saving the day, even though it's really it was Ben's idea, and you know, Ben was the one who had to dress up like a Japanese soldier to get it done, but doesn't get recognition. Uh so Joe is talking about the first time he got a medal. First one they gave me, threw it into the ocean. Ben asked him, what you get that one for? For not dying. 15 Men Who Fought With Me Got Decorated Too for Dying.
2: Really good line. It is a good line. That's actually kind yeah. of the only one that stood out, so I'm curious what Nick's got.
0: <laughs> good fucking Marine. <laughs> uh, yeah, th- this movie is not thick with comedic lines. Uh, you'll get a chuckle here and there throughout the movie, but uh, and it's not like it, it never earned the character development for a lot of like very well, like emotionally connecting lines, but uh, what I got is this same scene where Ben and enders are Joe are talking, and Joe's drunk, and he's just just talking about how he did what he was ordered to do, and you can tell like he has his own kind of internal struggle with it, and Ben's just trying to like calm him down and like get him to just be like hey man it's not your fault whatever happened and cage just comes back with yeah i'm a good fucking marine that's why they gave me this detail and he just kind of like looks at ben and ben doesn't know that you know push comes to shove he's gonna shoot him but it's where you kind of see cage having more internal conflict with it as they've started to develop a friendship. Yeah. Uh so you can kind of see like a little bit of character growth in that moment.
1: Uh we get a good we get a good just classic cage just screaming scene in this film, but not a lot of gold in terms of great line reads.
0: No, it's a very movie specific performance from yeah. him. Yep. so we're not getting a Nicolas Cage performance. We're getting a wind Talkers performance for this movie. Which fine,
1: I mean the man has range.
0: Yes, he does, and you know we know he's a good actor. He did this,
2: yeah. He did do this. Yep. He also did this. <laughs> the other movie,
1: Bringing Out the Dead, nineteen ninety nine, Martin Scorsese, starring Nicolas Cage as Frank Pierce and Patricia Arquette as Mary
0: Burke, and, and another Paul Schrader as writer and Paul Schrader's writer. Uh, but before we favorite.
1: get into that, I was going to say, and a cavalcade of other amazing actors. Both these movies cast astounding like really yes. good yeah we got john goodman we have ving rames with a full head of hair which i did not recognize him <laughs> oh yeah, yeah 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 until i paused the movie i was watching it on amazon i paused it and it gives you uh credits and i'm like never seen ving rames with hair
2: yeah he looks weird with hair yeah and then you've got uh, Tom Sizemore. Tom Sizemore. And oh. Cliff Curtis is a drug dealer guy named Cy Coates. Yep. And then a weird one that I definitely didn't recognize him because he's made up pretty well is Mark Anthony, the like yeah. singer-songwriter, yeah. is like a drug addict guy who got—I think he got shot or something at some point and he lost his mind. Yeah, in, yeah. A, in a drug dealer conflict, he yeah. got shot. I thought he did a good job. Yeah, he did a great did job. Did
1: great. Uh, also— just fun little like blink and you miss it uh performance from uh oh, I don't have her name written down. The actress who played Carla on Scrubs. Yeah. In the final scene. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, Judy. Judy.
0: Reyes. And, uh, Judy. Reyes, yeah. yeah. We did also have a single scene from somebody I fucking loved. And that was Michael Kenneth Williams. He just played a drug dealer who got shot yep. and dies. Oh, in yeah. One scene. Yeah. Yeah. But he, I mean, you'll know him. He played uh, Omar. Well, okay. Oh, that was in uh, the wire. Yeah. So he yep. played Omar in the Wire. He he's been in like all the HBO shows. Yeah. Um he's fucking he was fucking great.
2: I think the only other character of note that I kind of saw was that Mary Beth Hurt was playing the like intake nurse at the hospital. Yeah. Who yeah. is like a real piece of shit, but maybe has a heart of gold. I don't know. But anyway, she is uh a... Well, she definitely has a soft spot for Mr. O. Yeah. For sure and uh she is Mr. paul schrader's oh. paul schrader's wife
0: oh is she yep unfortunate uh, she must have a soft spot for bad people speaking yeah. of speaking of a, i couldn't think of a way to not say it meanly speaking of sp- nope, i'm i'm putting it out there it's <laughs> just dumb dumb she's got a soft spot for dumb dumb for people speaking of
1: spou- speaking of spouses uh nicholas cage and patricia Arquette are married at this point in their like lives yes uh they would get divorced two years later So yeah, uh, this film, uh, Nicolas Cage plays a EMT, end of his rope, he hasn't saved a life in a year, he's haunted by the people he's lost, specifically one young girl named Rose, who he sees everywhere, Um, and the movie takes place over the course of three nights, where his first call is saving uh, a man who's had a heart attack, and is Mary's father, and that's how they meet, and we follow him over the course of three nights and his ups and downs with Mary's father kind of being the through line to his mental state and where he's at with the world. Yeah. Uh, It's kind of a vignetted film. Most, uh, the three nights, he has a different ride along a different partner every night. And, uh, they each kind of take him down different avenues of the job. Um,
0: the major like through line and the piece that ties everything together though is Mary because it's, his involvement with her father's case and her that opens up, you know, the worlds of the drug dealing. It kind of ties in this character, Noel, who has had a a head injury and is very not right anymore. It's the story. It's Nicholas Cage and Mary throughout her problems with drugs, his problems with the trauma of his job and just, How the two of them ride through this wave, not necessarily together, but parallel. Yeah, parallel to each other.
1: I mean, Nicolas Cage puts in what I thought was a great performance. Like he's you see him losing his grip on reality more and more as the film goes on. This movie is done in kind of a vignetted style where it's three nights, three different partners ride-alongs, And uh, let's start off with John Goodman, who
0: is great i mean john goodman's great he's
2: always great
0: yeah this happens to be his normal partner at this moment yeah so they ride along together they do a couple like uh, smaller things nothing huge
2: yeah it's a uh, mr o is one of the main ones for <laughs> yeah they that. introduce yeah.
0: juice us to mr o who is just uh outrageous Drink. like drunk yeah. i mean Drunk homeless guy, yeah, drunk, yep. homeless guy, he smells really bad, and they call him Mr. O because all he ever seems to say is Oh,
1: which Nick Cage is thrilled about because it means nobody's gonna die, yeah, just gets to pick someone up and drop him off, yeah, you, you just, just have to deal drive with him smell.
0: to the hospital, and nobody likes picking up Mr. O, yeah. so every time Mr. O comes up, there's just a big debate, and Nick Cage always wants to take that job, but So they start with Burke.
1: Yeah. Mary's father who had had a heart attack, locked himself in the bathroom and they got there 10 minutes after he'd stopped breathing.
0: Right. So for the remainder of the movie, he's kind of in a vegetative state. It's Nick Cage checking in at the hospital where he dropped him off, both with mr burke's doing but really in relation to like how it's affecting his daughter mary yeah and kind of creating a relationship with her throughout so that's our like major tie line yeah so we go burke we got some mr o we get the
1: conversation on the pier they go to stop so uh john goodman can have a bit of a nap yeah because john goodman is completely checked out at this point from the job he's he tells about his plan about how he's going to start up his own uh ambulance company like out on the island right, he will be the boss be the captain he'll be yeah <laughs> i'm man. the captain now uh in in uh, like a year's time that's kind of his plan and he's just like it's just a job
0: yeah oh he doesn't think about it when he's in the no. van at all or the ambulance at all There's he just wants to stop for like food or coffee that's yeah. all he's thinking about in the beginning where they're driving around he's like oh man we gotta go get some beef lo mein beef lo mein i been mean, thinking about it five it minutes Ch- up we got to the expletive is to the left here, <laughs> and it's like, "Oh, you missed it. You gotta take the next turn. Oh, it's a parking lot." All he thinks about it is this, and then, like, at the very last second, like as they're turning to the Chinese place, he just like slaps the dash. He's like, "Oh, fuck!" And Cage is just like, terrified. He's like, "I had beef lo mein last night. I can't have it two nights in a row. We gotta go somewhere else. What do you want?" It's like, Jesus Christ, it's two a.m. I mean, that's literally all he thinks about is like where he's going to take break. That relationship is all about like one person distancing themselves emotionally from the realities of their job. And then it goes into the next night.
1: Before we get into Marcus, I do want to talk about Frank's relationship with the dispatch with his boss he comes in late every night oh god and, yeah, the uh, the captain. Boss, yeah the captain's like you know it's your ninth time being late you've called out sick four times you can't call out sick anymore I'm like you know the higher-ups want me to fire you he's like good all right colin's like not gonna fire you it's like i told them if they want you fired you got you know they got to come down here and do it. it's like you know they won't do it you gotta do it because <laughs> nick cage just wants out
2: <laughs> why did he bark at him
0: uh to show he's a the big, big dog. Dogs. Yeah. Yeah, the <sighs> big dog energy. Yeah, he just barks at him. God, <laughs> and, if I had a nickel for every time some big dog barked around me just to show him.
1: And I, I love this scene because he's like, I'll fire you tomorrow. I'll yeah. fire you tomorrow. And then as Nick the Cage defeatedly is about to go out, just turns around and goes, You know, I could bark too. <laughs> it's like sure you can.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, I used to have this job that I fucking hated. And you know, like eighty percent of the time, it was okay, but there were things that they just asked me to do were out that were outside of what I had originally agreed to do. And, butt stuff, uh, always. Uh, oh, that's what you agreed to do. Yeah, always butt stuff, and then they want me to do outside the butt stuff.
2: Yeah, which no, it's always in. Yeah, got to be in the butt.
0: I'm a clean guy. I don't like messes. <laughs> Uh all right, we gotta start over. We laughed. Yep. No, no, so I (laughs) welcome back to Cage Match Colin. right about way meeting Nicholas Cage. (laughs) Oh, is that what it is? Every time somebody laughs, we have to start the episode over. Only on the
2: serious episodes. (laughs) Fuck, okay. Ooh, that's Uh. a fun challenge for season two.
0: (laughs) Um but yeah, they made me do Christmas lights. And uh, it sounds stupid to be like, oh, they made me put up Christmas lighting for rich people. And it's like, no, fuck that. I don't I don't like the holiday and I don't want to do it. (laughs) <laughs> I was always trying to get fired. And there was one day, like I get called in boss's office. He's fucking tearing me a new one about something that isn't relating to me. It's like, I was just supposed to supervise somebody and he put me on a different job and then they fucked up elsewhere. He's like giving me the right act. And I just fucking toss my keys down. I'm like, fine, fucking fire me, fire me right now. Get me out of here. Like you fucking hate having me here. Just fire me. And he looks me in the eyes and he's just like, Nick, it's a bigger punishment to keep you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so night two, Marcus night.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So Marcus,
1: played by Ving Rhames, who with hair, with hair, is a
2: hot hair, a
0: character. Oh, man, he's so fucking good.
1: He's like more in the realm of you know they're doing God's work. They're they're saving people.
0: Yeah, he's fully leaning into the religious redemption and uh it, you know it, it's jesus saving people it's like yeah so marcus's angle in this is like it it's all in jesus's hands yeah you know when things go well they did a great job when things don't go well well that's just god's will
1: and he even talks about how you know he pulled uh he pulled a jumper off a roof mm-hmm. and nick cage was like yeah that happened you know in Ireland once, this woman was going to jump and like, the wind pushed her back. The like, like classic story of the
0: Cliffs of Moore. Nick,
1: Yeah, and Nick Cage is, you know, and uh, he's like, well, the wind helped. And Ving Rams gives one of my favorite readings of his is, I'll preach heaven and beat the hell out of you, son.
2: <laughs> I think my favorite thing was that as like any good Christian, he seems horny as fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, man. Uh, I didn't write it down because I knew we were going to talk about it regardless. There are a lot of prostitutes in this movie because there it's yeah it's New York Manhattan in the 90s yeah. and by god it's like every other shot is a hooker and Sex it's a, no 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 cuz it's the 90s <laughs> so it's okay to call them hookers still uh, and also there is a very professional difference between the two so <laughs> the scene with Bing uh, Rames and Nick Cage just like Driving through like Times Square or something, and Bing Rams just has like a huge fan of cash that he's just like waving in front of his face. And he's like, Let's go look at the hookers.
2: Yeah, like, oh. well, and he's so horny for uh Queen Latifah as the uh dispatcher yep. for that night. Oh, yeah, yeah, love. Well, yeah. Apparently,
1: they went on a blind date once and she like smashed a bottle over his head.
2: <laughs> yeah, she seems bad. Why you gotta bring that up. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, Bing Ring steals this movie and they really put him right in the middle of it.
1: So <laughs> they, they do wind up saving someone that well, saving one someone that night.
0: They have two good moves that night. Their big action is they go to this nightclub. Mm-hmm
1: i love the music in this movie it's great and great soundtrack yeah super deep and i don't know maybe this recording was for this soundtrack but there's a super deep jane's addiction cut when they're in this club that i've only ever heard on a really weird like b-side album so maybe it was recorded for this movie i don't know but just like oh
0: scorsese always has great music in his films he does again peak
1: yeah. 90s movie just industrial club with a bunch of people in black leather
0: oh yeah it's definitely like they go to the goth club that plays jane's addiction yep because goths yeah love jane's I mean, addiction yeah that's their thing um uh but we have this scene of them like going up. Off look the, they have this well, scene yeah. they have this scene going How many up more times can we get you to start this <laughs>
1: Welcome back to Cage Match Colonel Roundabout We have meeting Nicholas Cage.
0: I'm your host, <laughs> Sean. with <was> my co-host. <laughs> uh, they have this scene, like going to this nightclub. There was a, a cardiac arrest. And they show up, bring all their shit up top, and they're kind of looking around. They scope the scene and they're like, Yeah, this is drugs. There's this drug that they've talked about that's hot on the scene. Red it's, Death. Yeah. Right. Which is like your typical heroin, whatever.
1: But I mean, Ving Rhames' original uh, response to the body: "Oh shit, he' dead." (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Nick Cage checks and he's like, "Oh, he's got like a pulse." Uh, And so they bust out the narco. Yeah, narco. So so they get the Narcan out. Narcan. And do you just want to do it? (laughs) Yeah, Ving Rhames goes into a dialogue with the rest of the people that are there, which happens to be the remainder of the band. The Person on the ground is like the singer or something. Uh, the drummer's there and there's some groupies and there's just a uh, a dialogue. I rebuke the spirit of drugs in the name of Jesus. What's his name? I be Bangin? What do you mean Ivy Bangin? Ivy Bangin? The hell kind of name is Ivy Bangin. I don't know his real name. It's Frederick Smith. Okay, Freddy, it's Frederick. Okay, Ivy Bangin, We're gonna bring you back from the dead. Dear Lord, here I am again, asking one more chance for a sinner. Please, Lord, bring back I be banging, Lord. You have the power, Jesus. You have the might. You have the super light to spare this worthless man. And I be banging. It's up. Rise up, I be banging, and start your life anew. Lord, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> so there's only two things that I do well in this life, and that's the uh, uh a Bing rame's impression, Bing yeah, rame's good. impression and Gary Faulkner impression. Yeah, you're pretty good at both. <laughs> so thank you very much. Uh but that fucking scene is so, <laughs> it's so fucking good. funny so cuz uh while they're sitting there like and Marcus is doing all of this. Nick Cage is like slyly putting the narcan into Ivy Bangin. So like Marcus has everybody holding hands and like holding this like little Jesus vigil over (laughs) the goth boy (laughs) just so that they can like posture this whole scene. Marcus is very theatrical, but everybody's got their thing, their shtick. And Marcus's is is just very over the top. And so
2: I mean, one of the the outcomes of that is like he also is kind of a drunk, and he has a bunch of booze in his, <laughs> yeah. his work bag, yeah. and then they fucking crash the ambulance. Yes.
0: So uh, that <laughs> and comes in walks after away. their next call. Um, so this
1: is a, in a like kind of burnt-out old building. Uh, they find a young teenager's mm-hmm. uh, fucking... I mean, a
0: crack den's a crack den. Yeah, it's so. a crack
1: den. And again, a great Marcus line, oh shit, a fat crackhead! Because <laughs> there's a pregnant woman who... <laughs>
2: i forgot about that line
1: <laughs> they're saying is having like in cardiac arrest no she's in labor and uh, her boyfriend is just like impossible we're virgins yeah. while she's actively giving birth to twins
0: yeah and I'm, I'm looking at him and i'm like yes you are yeah but and then he even says like it's a miracle but yeah no, my, my favorite part about like giving birth is like nicholas cage is down there he's like oh there's three legs and rams is like that's too many legs
1: well i was gonna say they look down it's a breached birth because there are three legs ticking out
0: yeah
2: yeah
1: so they have to save the baby uh, ving rames has got a
0: healthy baby boy nick cage gets the one that gets dies. the one that dies yeah, yeah. so but still i mean doesn't he doesn't save someone he's giving it cp heart yeah. all the way back to the hospital and it just doesn't make it yeah so ving rames is on cloud nine because he saved a baby boy or got to deliver a baby boy and nick cage is only focusing on the one that died not yeah. the one that lived and they get in that uh Ambulance, and they're driving, and Nick Cage just, you know, he's like, "Oh fuck it, you know, we're done. We need, like, it's time for a drink. We've had our win for the day." And he's got so he's gin pulls, and orange juice in the medical he, bag. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Marcus just has his bag, and he's got like a a container that would hold like saline solution or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's definitely a medical container. <laughs> and Cage pulls it out. He's like, "I fucking hate gin." and starts pouring out uh, gin and juices. And then Marcus, uh, this is where they get another call and Cage is like, don't take it. Don't take it. We're done. Just tell him we're drunk. Tell him like like the bus is broken down. Just tell him anything. Because it's love. Yeah. And Marcus is just on such a high. He's like, just fucking give me another one. I'll fucking save somebody. And he takes the call and like speeds off and immediately a cab pulls out in front of them and he swerves and manages to just flip and roll the ambulance with them in it
1: they both get out
0: laughing yeah (laughs) Yeah. praise jesus yeah (laughs) yeah marcus is like oh we made it and cage is like fuck this i quit and just like walks away into the night
2: but that is kind of the motivation for him to go seek out mary again
1: nick cage follows her to her dealer and yeah she's they mentioned that she mentioned yeah. she used to be a junkie, but this is where she, she could be
0: Mary, the yeah. nun or Mary, the junkie. And it didn't matter to her. Yeah. She just wants cage to like hang out outside. So she's not like using and staying there. She yeah. just wants to like leave, but ends up she's there. He goes upstairs to like find her after whatever their pre uh Pre meets the determined very charming drug dealer. Yes. Yeah, I is great. Uh, I really like the way he approaches drug dealing um i I think think it seems like a
1: good dude it's like yeah you you don't have repeat customers if you
0: kill them yeah um good good fucking business practice and he's got an aquarium that's pretty cool some saltwater fish that's very he's got
2: chill vibes takes a lot of work
0: yeah
1: but you know uh nick cage gets si gives him something to help him sleep he uh he has a bad reaction to the drugs like king Kong's his way out of there like grabs mary over the shoulder and like gets her out of there yeah <laughs> and so si- i love size line as he's getting in the elevator yell me ten dollars yeah <laughs> so night three uh we are teamed up with uh tom wools his former his former partner, partner.
0: Yeah, that he
2: used to ride with but he had, tom Sizemore,
1: whose yeah. way of dealing with his job is to just be like i get to decide who lives and dies to the point where he tries to do a murder <laughs>
0: I don't think it's like he's actively trying to murder somebody but he's trying to kill fucking he's trying to kill
1: that guy. He
2: hates Noel.
0: He hates sure. Noel. He's a very heated his way of just like living with the stress and trauma the only way he can like uh cope cope or whatever is having this like big moment because even when they're driving like uh this big violent moment even when they're driving cage is like i just gotta like break some windows or something and tom's like well we can't like what why are we doing it what's the point we need something Uh, there's got to be a reason and then they roll up on a taxi who's like who stopped in a crosswalk and he gets into a racist pretty (laughs) racist but uh very heated road rage exchange and it's like that's all he needed like it's it's never about the person that he's accosting or upset with it he just needs a reason to justify the way he feels yes yeah.
2: like i'm yeah, not I saying mean, he's he's kind of like the the manifestation of like everything that could go wrong like all mm-hmm. the stresses of this job all the shit that you have to see the like depravity of humanity
0: yeah he's a cautionary just, tale
2: yeah. right and he's he's at the precipice yes. right yeah and and maybe you're right maybe he isn't Gonna do a murder necessarily, but like he's so close. Noel would that. have died if Nick like, Cage didn't stop him. He, he most likely would. Have died.
1: Even if he yes. didn't kill him, he would have left him for dead. Right. That's right. what I mean when I say murderer. He's a killer because he would have killed somebody.
0: I feel it's complicated because he would oh, have Like He was released. And Nick Cage is like, but he's crazy. He's not a criminal. He's crazy. And he's like, why isn't anybody locking him up? Why isn't anybody doing anything about him? Yeah. It's like, this is just an aspect of society we still have this problem yeah. uh people with mental health issues for any number of tra- tragic reasons just being pushed in and out of the system be it hospitals mental care facilities and whatnot and there's never a a, a resolution or no. there doesn't seem to be like a a way to help these people on the streets and all Tom sees is this weight on society yeah. of somebody that's being like dragged in and out. And it's when Tom sees him in this scene, it's, he's breaking car windows with a baseball bat just because. Yeah.
1: Well, and going to your thing about how, you know, there's no point to just like Nick Cage says he wants to smash something. And he says, there's no point to it. When Noel is smashing windows, it's Nick Cage to, his job to distract him. Noel tells him to like take a crack at it. So Nick Cage like smashes out like a car window and tom's like what the fuck are you doing dude
0: yeah i think that was more of like tom just wanted him to like go up there and distract him and push him over he thought it was like a simple plan nick cage has more history with nolan he was never into the plan to begin with tom is a
1: broken like i mean kind of like he's a little how john goodman had checked out by just being like i'm almost done
0: Tom. Everybody is broken yeah, in right. this movie. No, I know. Nobody is handling things just, well.
1: But the way John Goodman's character was just like, I'm almost done. I can do this for another year. Then I'm going to be the boss. Tom's a lifer, and Tom's just like, I'm going to do whatever I want.
2: Right. And he's compressing his rage down mm-hmm. constantly because yeah. he's dealing with shit that people shouldn't fucking have to look at in a yeah. day to day situation.
1: Then we get into how Nick Cage deals with things, how he deals with control of life and death by deciding that. Mary's dad has had enough. Unlike Tom, who just was like, I'm going to get my aggression out with Noel. Uh, you, when you see how Nick Cage decides to take out Mary's dad, it is completely premeditated. Cause he, so the, what he does is he's moving to the ICU. Nick Cage goes in there, says, you know, I'm the one who brought him in, goes in, closed, closes the curtains. He's already got heart sensor pads on his body. So he removes all the stuff so the machine's tracking his heartbeat and just lets the man die and lets the man code before putting everything back in
0: so it's important to note that we've had a couple scenes leading up to this where mr burke you know has an episode or whatever at the hospital pretty much every time cage is there there will be a scene where mr burke's either like mr burke wakes up and like or his valium wears off and he like is trying to get the tube out of his yeah, throat they have or him tied down his heart fails again they yeah. talk about how they like, have to shock him 13 times i think it's insane like he's just constantly
1: the family wants dying. to keep him alive because the wife believes in miracles um, yeah. is what the nurse tells nick cage
0: nick cage is having this like presumably in his head telepathic conversation with Mr. Burke. Uh, it, it's not nearly as weird as that. When he's with him, he is just hearing Mr. Burke. Say, so let him go. Desire. Yeah, go. yeah. To die.
1: And Nick Cage is on no sleep and all caffeine and
0: he had some drugs know, too. And, and some drugs. He is definitely not in his right mind throughout yeah. most of this movie. His belief is Burke just
2: wants to die I think one one thing that we're kind of missing, part of the reason he seems to be, in my mind, on a little bit of a high, is that he did end up saving the drug dealer. He saves
1: the drug dealer, and almost would have fallen off the roof in the process, so...
2: Also, that was beautiful with all the sparks shooting yeah. out into the city skyline. Yeah, it was
1: really nice. Kind of has this near-death experience, as well as finally saving someone, so yeah, he is riding that high. So we have that scene, then we have the knoll shit-kicking in. Nick oh, right. So he he's, goes, he's
2: now saved two lives yes
1: he's saved two lives well because he brings noel in and he is still covered in noel's blood when he comes in and that's when he sees that mr burke has been moved out of uh the emergency room he's got a unit in icu and that's when he goes and does what he was gonna do
0: he does his uh mercy killing yeah
1: then goes to Mary's to tell her her father died that you know they resuscitate him one too many times and yeah they they hold each other as he as he nods off.
0: That's pretty much it.
1: I liked this one.
0: I thought it was really good, too. It was really good. Uh, I thought we had a good performance from Cage. And, I thought we had a good uh, performance from everyone.
2: It was really just. Well, and it's filmed really well. Like, yeah. I mean, you talked about being a little stoned and then kind of having uppers and everything. It's like the, the My way. upper downer. The, the way it's filmed feels that way. Like, yeah. it's so blown yeah. out and it's so, like, light affects you in a major way. And oh, the it,
0: lighting in this movie was incredible. The DP, really would, well like, done. fucking kill me. Really well. Well,
1: done. I wanted yeah. to just briefly touch on how during every ride, there's a very different intention with the shots when he gets to, when you get to tom like when tom starts driving off it's just really all like everything sped up quick shots like just the the manic mania of yeah there's a pacing. manic
0: intensity yeah. to the calls that they take
1: yeah but, i mean
0: that's really when they're structured like in the scene on... when they're in the scene they're slower they're yes. calm they're mm-hmm. in control they're professionals yeah but like that getting to and fro that a b connection yeah. of everything it's very intense and it's Uh, it's kind of like a little drug trip. I kind of felt like this movie, I wrote this movie sort of like, God, there's something out there. And I don't think it's a Guy Ritchie movie, but it feels like this could have been a Guy Ritchie movie. For sure.
1: So I know, Peter, you have some thoughts on uh, Schrader's writing for this, because I wanted to say that, man schrader shouldn't direct
2: well okay fully fully agree schrader should not direct i think he's a bad director i think he's a better competent writer Mm -hmm. this is an adaptation
0: of a novel though
2: that's what i was going to say so i i don't think that schrader's original work is very good i think that he did a good job for this movie but there's a lot that was
0: the groundwork was there the foundation is there everything i read about it was it's pretty close to the original story like there yeah he didn't take a lot of liberties in this one which is good but i was talking to Josie about this and i was like man if he had done something about like fringe people in new york on a decade by decade basis so like he had taxi driver oh yeah if he had done something was taxi driver in the 80s yeah i think so so we got taxi driver we got this if he did some uh, this in the '90s, if he had done something like in the '2000s, and maybe done like a New York in the '70s movie, right? Uh, kind of covering these fringe people. That I mean, that would have been a great arc, and That's an interesting it would have been story. a really fun story. Yeah. But we got things like Dog Eat Dog and mm-hmm. the other one, everything else instead.
1: Fun fact about this film: this was one of the last two films to be released to Laserdisc. Ooh. Uh, You want to give me a guess what the other one was?
0: Did it include Richard Gere? No. It's got
1: Johnny Depp in it, though. I prefer Richard Gere. I do, too. Also Christopher Walken. Late 90s? Wait. Sleepy Hollow.
2: Oh, shit. Yeah, Yeah, those were the last (laughs)
1: two movies released to Laserdisc. What a fucking
2: bummer. Yeah. I had a professor... That's that's going out with a fart. (laughs) (laughs) I had a professor
0: in Montana who would invite all of the uh, lighting... Staff members over, and we would have a a big thank you thing every year. And like his wife would make all this food, he'd buy all this beer. And once everybody was drunk, we'd go back into his house, and he would put on Pink Floyd's Pulse Tour on Laserdisc, and he would just air drum through the whole thing because he was just groused. Nice, I fucking love Mark, he was a great professor.
1: Schrader, so uh, Schrader went on a ride along. Before he wrote the script on that ride along, he saw a gentleman who had been severed in twain.
0: I honestly probably got to be now I'm going to go silver lining here. A pretty great situation for some people, because all clothes shopping would be half off. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, quotes. have you got any quotes for this? one? I do. Oh, well, why don't you why don't you put one on my ear holes?
2: Right on those ear holes.
0: Put, um, put it on my
2: earholes. Vibrate those holes.
0: They just got Noel. Nick Cage is just talking me.
1: Nick Cage has just talked Noel. Holes. Nick Cage has just talked Noel into the ambulance because Noel wants to die and won't kill himself. And Nick Cage convinced him to get in the ambulance by saying there's a special room at the hospital where they'll kill you. So he gets in. That's when they go and pick up a drug dealer who'd gotten shot and he's dying in the back and Nick Cage is, you know, it's like you're not gonna die and Noel's like What it's like? You're gonna die. He's not. And he he's having no like hold the guy's arms up,
0: and he's like, hold this. If you let go, I swear I won't kill you. (laughs) I fucking love that. That was a good line. Do you have a Nick Cage quote for this? Uh, I do, and it's from when he was riding around with Tom, and he's in the back of the bus, uh, back of the ambulance, and Tom's just looking back there. He's like, what are you doing back there? And Cage is concocting this like ivy cocktail for himself and he comes back up into the front and he's got like a, an oxygen mask on and he's got an IV, and he's and they're just having this conversation and, and cage is just like through his oxygen mask he's like it's great to be drunk sobriety is killing me his character is such a sad sack he's yeah. always saying like oh i don't feel good I'm, i feel sick I can't be here. It's like he just fucking hates his job.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, he also only consists on alcohol and
0: coffee. He never eats. Yeah. Eat a fucking yeah. sandwich, dude. Yeah. Eat some chicken. Yeah. Eat a eat a half chicken and fries. Yeah. He he is very sickly looking throughout yeah. this movie. So, malnourished for sure. Nick, what's your vote? I mean, I'm a bringing out the dead guy. I'm Yeah. I've been very pro on this movie for a long time. It's it's weird. It 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 almost feels like it shouldn't be in this category because of how like kind of comedic the movie comes across. It's very dark. It's very serious, but it's got some comedy. But most dark things in life. Yeah, that's how
1: it's about. It's about people coping with trauma. And a lot of people do
0: that with comedy.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm 100 percent bringing out the dead is my choice. So that's going forward some uh, this week in cage. There is a uh, Lords of War. They're doing a sequel to Lord of War uh, where with Nick Cage and Bill Skarsgård, where Bill Skarsgård is going to play Nick Cage's son, who is also an arms dealer. And
0: now, I this wonder... might just be like everybody's on board. It isn't like maybe in but production. I don't, yeah, yes. but I'm
1: just saying that it's news I read this week. Yeah. Also, uh, Nick Cage's earliest memory was being in the womb.
0: Yes i still need to watch the 60 minutes i'm a bad nick cage it was podcaster.
2: fine you get to learn about him having a raven and like a snake
0: fuck i wish i had a
2: raven yeah i wish i had a snake it's named hugan
0: my mom was afraid of well is still afraid of snakes well I- checked in
2: yeah she might be okay now i'll
0: bring a snake home next time
2: good that's a way to figure out if someone's (laughs) still afraid of snakes uh peter what are we watching next uh next up we've got the last of the uh six seeds versus 11 seeds in the fucking weird category uh mom and dad with selma blair and uh where i think they all have to kill their kids i don't know it looks like the purge meets
0: uh yeah i think it's like there's some kind of like
2: brain virus airborne
0: disease or something that makes parents turn against their kids yeah Yeah.
2: and then it's up against next which is where he is i think a charlatan who can predict the future
1: he has some knowledge of the future and a bad thing's gonna happen
2: yeah there's there's two there's one called knowing knowing. and there's one called next yeah they are very much the same it's movie,
1: upsetting but. that they're not going against each other
2: yeah but who well knows? Oh, they could sean they
1: could uh, i was looking at the bracket they both would have to go to the final round of fucking weird yep and uh i don't know i haven't watched either of those films yet but it
2: seems like it, one of them will lose to mandy but uh who knows something
0: will lose to mandy something will lose to colorado space i'm sure yeah uh, not to say that we pick favorites but obviously those are there those are, are good movies
2: and there are bad movies
0: <laughs>
1: and then there are nick cage movies hey. good night everybody
2: no we still have to say the other stuff oh <laughs> oh
1: uh, if like anything, and subscribe
2: yes please rate review subscribe we are on instagram at cage underscore match underscore pod you
1: guys say i'm bad at segways and when i have like a good outro you guys just
0: I'm like no we can't have that you
2: didn't that's Cause... not a good time to have an outro <laughs> just
0: because you outro doesn't mean we're That's a shitty <laughs> spot to leave
2: we have to do the other stuff good night
0: everybody hey remember no. that time you started the podcast in the middle of the podcast okay
2: we're also on reddit at cage match pod and if you are interested in supporting us we are on uh, patreon at cage match
0: also if anybody wants to watch this week's movies no wind talkers is on hbo yep and bringing out the dead is on paramount plus and something and also, else
2: uh, amazon with showtime i think i just read oh yes, showtime.
0: yeah uh, but i had hbo i should have watched Wind Talkers. There, there is also the pirate bay
2: there's that too not that i get a plex account What's Plex? I don't How exactly
0: isn't that just people pirating movies and putting yeah, them into putting an on a online server. folder?
2: Yeah, I think that's it.
0: How is that different?
2: I don't know. Don't ask us. Thanks everybody.
1: Not going to say it again. I said it twice.
2: Yeah, you're done. We we
1: Good night everybody.
2: Nope. Nope. <laughs> Bye.
1: because my initial idea was a twink uh, coin
0: toss coin. <laughs> a, twink a twink cost twink. a twink cost
2: twink cost uh, you is a, a very you different get a thing
0: twink tax gotta pay the troll toll <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: plus I'm um, too fat I'm more but, of a. I'm more of a, a bear cub
0: no, have we, we ever been shy about opening the moment do it at a poignant moment <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly <laughs> let's talk about a really Sean's emotional death moment. scene like, yeah. as
0: soon as he gets real serious he's gonna tell us like the story of like his great aunt like dying in his arms and
1: no that's my only living uh,
0: family member your great aunt yeah for now <laughs>
1: keep that in peter i will good
0: <laughs> did you get that no are, already, sure? are we We're all... not gonna stop in five minutes <laughs> Thanks, mom.
1: <laughs> guys have to, guys have to pee. Like, we just stopped. I didn't have to pee then.
2: Do it in your pants.
1: I was gonna say it's your chair, but it's my chair.
2: Yeah, fuck your chair up.
0: You guys are gonna have to pee now.
2: <laughs> God damn it! You're go. Gonna, go. You're gonna have to I'm hold kidding. it. <laughs>